we asked them, how many of your community colleges assess digital literacy upon entrance? They said less than 10%. At the end of our presentation, we asked again and we asked, how many of you think you should have a digital literacy assessment for in incoming students? And it was nearly 100%. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Jacob Bray. This episode of In the Know is about how to best reach Generation Z students. David Connor and I talk with Ted Tedman and Casey Wilhelm, professors at North Idaho College. We discuss how Gen Z students learn, consideration for teaching Gen Z students, what trustees need to keep in mind, and more. This is part one of a two-part episode. Okay, today we are here in Washington, D.C. at the 2020 Community College National Legislative Summit with uh, Ted Tedman and Casey Wilhelm. Both are associate professors at North Idaho College in Idaho. And um, welcome. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for having us. We, uh, we asked you to come out here actually specifically to record this podcast because you both presented in October at the, um, our San Francisco uh, Leadership Congress. Your session was called Engaging the Distracted, Meeting the Challenge of Reaching Gen Z and Millennials Without Deterring Non-Traditional Students. And the reaction to your presentation was very strong. Um, this is perfectly in line with our chair's uh, initiative this year, the ACCT Board of Director Chair Dawn Erlinson is really interested in what she calls um, personalized uh, education, um, thinking about precision medicine. She also calls it precision education. Teaching young people in ways that they're better equipped to learn. So um, let's talk about that. Why did you choose to present on that topic and why now? When we started teaching, we noticed that students learn differently today than they have in the past. Uh, when you used to be able to give a textbook and say, hey, read chapter one, I'll give you a quiz in it next week, that just doesn't work anymore. Students aren't used to assimilating information via textbooks. And so we did a little studying. Casey's working on his doctorate, and we focused primarily on generational differences in learning. At the uh, San Francisco conference, we were um, very gratified to see the number of trustees that were very engaged in our discussion. We happened to give them clickers, and they were able to respond. And not only did that help them focus on the lecture, but it also just really got everyone excited about it. Uh, so thank you very much for having us back. Yeah, and I, another point to kind of make was when we were starting to, to notice differences, we wanted to better understand what we could do to reach students. Uh, our goal is to have students be successful. Uh, we want them to either complete their two-year degrees or transfer on. And we were just noticing that there was a disconnect that continued to get wider, um, almost the divide continued to develop. And instead of us just kind of doing the old methodologies we were using, we really wanted to try to investigate maybe how we could change the paradigm a little bit, um, what we could do to better reach some of these students to make sure that they were succeeding. So as long as before we get started, we should probably define what we're talking about when we say generations. So in general, when we say a millennial student, it's a student typically born between 82 and 96. But once again, these are gross generalizations. Not all students fall in this category, just like any other generalization. But my guess is that if you think about someone in that age group, you'll probably be able to see some of these characteristics in the way they learn. 
Yeah, when we think of millennial students in general, um, some of the characteristics on the research that we've done, um, some of the characteristics they exhibit really are believe they can multitask. Uh, so believe that they're inherently really good at multitasking, which of the research shows nobody's really good at multitasking, um, but they think they are. Um, and so with this, cognitive task switching is very important. So getting them to actually switch between reading, watching a video, doing something tactile um, is really beneficial with, with millennials. Um, tend to challenge authority, uh, speak their minds. Uh, so it was interesting when we were visiting the National Archives yesterday, um, there were, we were told to put our cell phones away, no, no images when you're in viewing the documents and such. And there was a, uh, what I would define as a millennial that was in there who had her phone out <laughs> and was very put off that the, the guard had told her not to use the phone and was just looked at her like, no. And so this kind of challenge of authority and kind of speaking of the mind, it was just, it, we were looking yesterday, I go, well, there, there we go. You know, it just totally exemplifies kind of the behaviors we see in the classroom from students where they just kind of believe that it's their way and, you know, you're not going to tell me what to do. Um, they, they love recognition, though. Um, they really demand feed, feedback and praise. Uh, they, they like feedback, want to speak their minds, but they want you also to give them feedback. Um, and so that's important. Right. Uh, along with the challenge that um, because they spend so much time on their smartphones, they're very addicted to their smartphones, this tends to lead to shorter attention spans than we saw with Generation X um, uh, in, in prior generations. They, uh, it's important to keep them on task for maybe 10 minutes at a time, and then as Casey mentioned, cognitively switch them. Okay, now it's time for a video, now it's time for a quick break, do something else, that's how you keep their attention, by, by making it shorter. Likewise with the assignments. Instead of giving all the assignments and having them all do, say, Saturday at midnight, it's, the students will succeed far better if you give them shorter assignments due multiple times during the week. This, the short assignment is due Tuesday, the short assignment is due Thursday, the short assignment is due Sunday. So they're getting into the content repeatedly rather than waiting to the end of the week. Because of their organizational skills, the lack of organizational skills, they'll put it off. So it's much better to break it up. Then we kind of look at switching over and majority of the students we were looking at were, were in the millennial kind of category. But then we wanted to better understand a little bit about this whole idea of, of what Gen Z is and, and is there indeed differences between millennials and Gen Zs um, and how they learn. Uh, traditionally defined Gen Z 95 through 2015, um, is. But once again, generalization, we kind of see a, a spread between categories. But uh, with Gen Z students, particularly what we're finding is uh, tend to be very social. Um, this lends itself well to a flipped classroom approach, uh, whereby having students actually do the reading before coming to class and then have engaging in kind of active discussions from there. Uh, we find that that social aspect is very, very important to Gen Z students. Uh, digital natives uh, is what we define them as, so growing up with digital technology. Uh, being used to using that in their everyday lives, wanting to be able to scale assignments to smartphones and different devices for engagement. Um, but that said, we find that Gen Z's lack traditional keyboarding skills. Um, and we see this bleeding into some of the assignment types that we give when we're assessing writing and doing that, that we can see there's almost a choppy pattern of thought that happens because they're, they lack that keyboarding skills to be able to articulate thoughts together into long blocks. Yeah, if you think about that, these students uh, grew up with smartphones. The primary means of assessing the internet was no longer on the laptop or the desktop computer. It was 
via a smartphone. So that's how they're used to, they can type with their thumbs like no one you've ever seen before. But when it comes to a keyboard, they're often challenged in putting a stream of consciousness down on a sheet of paper. That'll be very, very choppy. Going back to what Casey said about the social aspect of the Gen Z's relative to the millennials and previous generations, you can use this to your advantage if you're an instructor or if you're in the workplace. For example, if we have a student that asks for extra time on an assignment, if, we, if, we, if it's a Gen Z, we can just say, well, I'd love to, but how can I do that and be fair to your classmates who got their working on time? A Gen Z will accept that immediately and say, yeah, you're right. I'll get my work in on time next time. A millennial will say, wait, 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 you don't understand my situation. It's different. <laughs> so it's, a, it's, it's fun, and if you know Gen Zs and millennials, I, I ask you to take a look at that and see if you can sense a different attitude. And then kind of just a couple other things with Gen Z students is really visual, uh, visual in nature. I mean, think of how much they're engaged with smartphones and digital technologies. Most everything is visually driven. And so being able to provide methodologies that give that visual aspect is really important, whether it be in video or even print. Um, we've noticed when we, we looked at some eye-tracking studies and when uh, Gen Z students are reading traditional print, uh, about 95% of them key on an image first and then track down to the actual caption and then we'll actually read the associative text with it. Uh, so very, very image-driven. And then this uh, concept of non-linearity. Um, so they don't like the linear kind of feature of traditional ways of learning. They want to hop around and go, you may think of how you're looking up information on a smartphone oftentimes. You get a thought, you go and look it up. and we see that with, with Gen Z learners where they will hop around to different concepts and different topics, you know, they're used to that. And so being able to design instruction that kind of covers that, that nonlinear uh, way of learning is important. It's really fascinating. Take, for example, a, I don't know, a kangaroo. Uh, millennial and older would tend to look at that from a holistic point. Okay, here's the whole animal. Now I'll look at the parts of the animal and see how it makes the whole. Whereas a Gen Z is m actually more comfortable saying, oh, I'm going to look at the individual parts and then assemble it as a whole. So, oh, it's a marsupial. Oh, it has a pouch. It hops. Looking at the different parts and then putting it together on their own. They actually prefer to learn that way rather than you to have them force it down this is the whole, and now look at the parts. It's fascinating the way they learn, but if you think about the way they're used to assessing information through a smartphone, they're jumping around all the time. They're hopping on Wikipedia, they're hopping on Twitter, they're you know, doing their Snapchat, jumping from thing to thing, and they're comfortable with that. So we need to come up with learning strategies that meet that, while at the same time doesn't turn away non-traditional students that prefer looking at the holistic, or that prefer the written text more than the images. That's the challenge for professors today. To, um, to, to maybe blur some of the generational divides here, um, an embarrassing little personal story. I was in Ireland last spring with my family uh, at the airport on the way back, and there was a sign that said, no photography. It had a picture, like an icon of a camera, but it was also written in Irish, and the Irish word was so interesting looking. It was so long. It was like, I don't know, something you'd, I would expect to find in Iceland or something. So it was so interesting looking. I <laughs> almost took a picture of it, um, a picture of the sign that says no photographs. 
just, I mean, in that instant, I went blank and went to that. And then I snapped to my senses right before I took the picture, but not before security got to me um, and asked what I was doing. Um, and so I, I'm Generation X. I'm significantly older than especially Generation Z. And yet I feel like I've been affected by mobile technology. Um, so I guess something I've, I've been wondering is, how much do you think technology has to do with this? And how much do you think might be more inherent? Because in these conversations, we actually hear about ADD and ADHD and other forms of uh, neurocognitive differences. And um, I wonder how much of that is societal, how much of it is um, the way that people interact with the world and technology now. Do you have any sense of that? And does it matter? I think it definitely matters. And I think it's a combination of, of factors that have led to to what we see. But I, I do think digital technology is definitely creating an impact for students that we have now. Uh, there was a study that we read with NFL players that were incoming, um, NFL players that were coming into the league and they were sitting in film sessions and they had noticed that there was just a disconnect that was happening within these film sessions, like they, they almost couldn't focus. So they brought in, brought in some experts to kind of just watch and see what was happening. Well, it was essentially a physical disconnect from their devices because in these sessions they would make the players take their phones and put them away and, and isolate them and then they could use them when the sessions were done. So they didn't want anybody disengaged or doing anything on social media. Well, they don't want to record the plays and everything too. They don't want that to get out. Right. And so they, they were you know removed from their devices. Well, they, they brought them in and just watched behavior. Well, they found that 27 minutes was kind of the break point at which they had to give a, a social media break or at least give them their phones back because this, they were just so disconnected as a result of being removed from it. And I've definitely seen that in my classes. Um, we teach at a community college, as we said, in North Idaho, and our student population, I mean, I even with a, a class that's 50 minutes, I about halfway through just kind of stop, let them take a little break to reconnect because I notice their attention spans, they, they don't have them. And so I almost call it, hey, take a social media break, use the restroom, do whatever. We'll reconvene in five minutes, and then we'll get back and kind of go back on task. Um, it's amazing that we have to do that even in a 50-minute class, uh, but we do. You know, it's little things. So I think that's definitely been created as a result of the increased use of technology is that their attention spans and their ability to focus for long periods of time is really gone. This has been part one of a two-part episode about Generation Z students. In part two, we'll pick back up with discussion of Generation Z students and their use of technology, specifically smartphones. Make sure you subscribe so you're notified when we release part two next week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.